even as I was uh, preparing to ask from the Lord, uh, what is the heart of God? What is the voice of God for this season? We are in the third day of our 10th day of fasting and prayer for our nation. Today, the third day's focus is on obeying the law of God. Obeying God in all that He has. I'm just reminded of uh, 2 Timothy that says that, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, uh, without self-control, lovers of pleasure, reckless and ungrateful. These are some of the things mentioned are the signs of the last days. And we truly are living in the last days. We are 2,000 years further than when Paul wrote this on the last days. And today we can see it happening that people are more caught up in the pleasures. People are more caught up in loving themselves more than they love God or love other people. People are being more reckless and careless in how they live their lives. And also another sign is ungratefulness. Not appreciating, valuing the things that God has given to us. And although this prophecy, this word was spoken by Paul, particularly to the unbelievers, to the world. But sadly, we also see that this is also creeping into the church. And so today, I will come back to what I believe that the Lord wants us to begin to be reminded again. That we will begin to simply live again. It is also a, talking about a simple life. Now, when we talk about simply live, it is not just a careless living. It is not talking about being a simpleton. Whatever comes, it comes. Whatever will be, will be. No, simply live means simply live in obedience to how Jesus has taught us to live for Him. Just as we have sung just now, that we will follow Him. And to follow Jesus is simple. But it is what is in this world. I will share with you the four things, the four components that are coming against us as the church. And the pastors, the ministers, the leaders are not exempted from the threats, the attacks of these four factors. And so when we talk about keeping it simple, this is actually calling us to come back to the basic. Come back to what God is calling us to do. We know that today, everything is high-tech. Everything, we always want the best of everything. There's always a new version of something that is going on, even in your TV. When I visit some of my friends, the TV last time used to be very small and we all watch. Sometimes we used, need to use a binoculars to watch our TV. But now today, wow, the TV is getting bigger and bigger. The technology is getting higher and higher. And iPhone will tell you, your phone is enough just for now. Wait, there's another version coming. People will also tell you that some of the, your car 
is good enough for now, wait for the next model to come. Houses. Sometimes the world will say, your house is good for now, wait till you get a bigger house. Then perhaps you'll be more happy, more satisfied. And this is something that is creeping in into our society. These things is actually also creeping in into our church. Let me start off with the Ten Commandments. Uh, the last of the Ten Commandments. It says, do not covet. Coveting is greed. And I believe that Paul says that coveting is also idolatry. That means we are seeking for something that we should not be seeking for. And it actually, it goes head against the first two commandments. You shall have no other gods besides me. And then the second commandment, do not make an idol for yourself. Do not bow in worship and do not serve them. Covetousness is not just for Old Testament people. Covetousness is just as relevant today for you and I, even in the church, even for pastors and ministers and for leaders, we have to be on guard because this is one of the reasons why today more and more we have people who are feeling hopeless, people who are feeling depressed, people who are feeling unsatisfied, people who are feeling disillusioned and many, many people who are having suicidal tendencies. It's because something or someone or the environment is telling that you don't have enough. You need more in your life. Until you get more, you will be happy, you will be satisfied. So today, I know because I too, just like each one of you, we will have to wage a war. We will have to battle covetousness in our life. Because covetousness, the Ten Commandments, actually goes against the first two commandments. You should have no other gods beside me. You should not bow down to any idols. Today, most of us in the church, we don't have a problem with statues, with physical idols, but we can have covetousness. We want the things that our neighbours have. We want the things that our boss have. We want the things that the movie stars have. We want the things that the TV says we should have. And so every time covetousness tries to take a foothold in our life, it is actually causing us not to put God first. Not to say, God, you are sufficient. God, you are enough. God, I will simply live with what you have blessed me and given to me. So covetousness means a strong desire to take pleasure in, to lust is an unhealthy, sinful desire after something or someone wrongly or sepsis obsessively. So it could be against something or someone. We all know that people can also be an idol. People, we can also greet, have greed and covetous for people. Some, even in, the, even in the church, we can prefer certain people to other people. 
We can be prejudiced to others before the one that God has given to us. Let me just share with you one story. It's a very familiar story. Even if you read from these first few verses, you know where the story is taken. We know in the Gospel of Luke, we have the, we have the story of the lost sheep. And then the lost coin. And then we have the story of the lost son. It's actually the story of the prodigal son. He longed to eat his fill from the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he says, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am, dying of hunger. I'll get up, I'll go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. After wasting all the, his own inheritance, after showing disrespect for his good father and walking away from his home, he had to go one big circle to lose all his money, to spend his money on prostitutes. And finally, when he was caught, having to feed the pigs. And this is the worst thing for a Jew, to feed a pig. He was in such a desperate situation that even the food, the pot for the pigs, he wanted to eat that. That was the ultimate downfall. That was the lowest that he can, could have gone. But do you know what happened? He realized, actually, all this while, I have more than enough food. I have the authority as a son in my father's house. I have all the comforts. I dress well. I eat well. I sleep well. I have everything I have. I have my father's love. I have my brother with me. I have servants to do all my things. It took him to go out of his house to begin to appreciate what he already have in his house. This is a new perspective even as I was preparing for the message. This is another way of looking at our life. That many times, you and I, we don't realize that actually we all have enough in our lives. Can we say an amen to that? I for one, when I begin to look at my own life, I just stand, I'm just surprised by the sufficiency of God. I, I have an agreement with my wife now. I say every time I use her name in my sermon, I have to pay royalty. So either I have to buy for her durian, or I have to buy nice food for her or take her somewhere nice to take. But I can tell you, I am very thankful for my wife. Because she is low maintenance. I think all the fathers and the husbands here will say, Amen. She is such careful. It's so easy to please her. You don't have to take her to expensive shops, expensive places, buy expensive, thank God she's not into diamonds, you know. She just wants just a little bit of pearl and that's okay. That is actually God's supply and God's provision for your life. So today, may I encourage husbands and wives to be thankful for your spouse. 
You know, to be thankful and never take for granted what your spouse brings to your life. The problem with us is we always think, we always think that other people's wives is better. Other people's husband is better. The neighbor is better. The, 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 the car is better. Their job is better. Everything is better. Why? Because we always think the grass is always greener on the other side. But if you and I look after your own grass, your grass will be better. Amen? If I look after my wife, I can be sure her low maintenance will be a blessing to our family. That we will have enough to save and then one day go for a holiday. Because I choose to see to her needs. And that's why the grass on my side is good. And sometimes we think, oh, the church, the other side is church is better. Huh? Maybe the pastor is better. Huh? Maybe the preaching is better. Huh? But we, all, we always say, maybe this country is better. Maybe I should migrate. Maybe the grass is greener that side. No. Brothers and sisters, maybe the grass that side is artificial grass. Maybe what you have right now is natural grass. So learn to appreciate what we have. Sometimes we over-appreciate the foreign preachers and pastors in the online. Hey, have you heard about this preaching preacher? But you and I don't appreciate our own pastors. You say they are just as good in preaching and teaching the Word of God. And we, as the pastoral team, we also will appreciate the sheep. We will never exchange our sheep for next door's church sheep. We must also be thankful for you. We want to thank for you because without a sheep, no one to eat the grass. And we, have, we shepherds have no job to do, but we want to be thankful to you. And so, we just want to come with a mindset that even though outside the church, people are greedy and clawing and demanding and wanting, I want more of this, I want more of that, I'm not satisfied. But here, God is telling us and reminding us today that we all have enough. The Bible says, if you have food on the table, if you have a cloth over your back, if you have a roof over your of over your home, you have more than enough than the millions of people who daily wake up not sure whether they have food, who daily wake up not worrying whether their clothes is new or not, they just have a cloth to wear, they are happy. Daily they wake up not knowing whether they have a home to stay. There are many refugees, there are many people who are staying in a very terrible situation. But you and I, most of us can come to church in our cars. Most of us have aircon cars. Nowadays, it's very hard to find cars without aircon anymore already. Most of us in our house, we even have aircon. We are comfortable. In the church, we have aircon. Are you glad? Are you pleased? But today, I will ask you the question. If God was to say, to speak to the main pastor and says, take off all the aircon. No need for electrical instrument. No need for big screen. Go back to OHP. No need for car park. Everybody park on their own. Will you and I still say that God is enough? Will you and I will be able to stand up and rejoice and praise God and worship God? That is a test 
of whether God is enough in our lives. If today you are diagnosed with a sickness, whether it's terminal or not, will you and I still come to church and say, I'm still going to church because when I come to church, I am touched by God. I am encouraged by God. People pray for me. My leaders pray for me. My cell members pray for me. My pastors pray for me. I am blessed. That is what happens in the mission field. Just like the Vietnam team is going. When you go to the mission fields, when you go to the Orang Asli, you will see that they have no aircon in their church. They have very basic, most of the time, they sit on the floor for worship service. And most of the time, many of them don't have their own transport. But one of the things that I have learned and humble me is to see that without transport, without aircon, without electrical instrument, just singing with their voices with a guitar, just singing their voices, worshipping God, I can tell you, I am ashamed of myself that sometimes we become too dependent on modern equipment in order to worship God. If God says, I'm going to take all this away, will you still be faithful to me? That is a test of question. Yesterday, one thought came to me, or yesterday or the day before. My mom today is the second year of her death anniversary. She died of cancer. Two months ago, my sister was diagnosed with cancer. And in my family, there are only three of us. So there's a voice will come to me and says, Hey, next will be your turn. I'm sure some of you are also struggling in that area of sickness. Because a voice will come and put that fear in you. But do you know what I say? I know, even if I get it. It doesn't matter. I know that God is still with me. God is enough. Whether I go for treatment, I don't, for, don't go for treatment, I can say that God and me is good enough. I'm sure this will be a test for you and I. This will be a test for you. God, in this life, none of us will escape the test of life. Sometimes we get angry with God and say, why? Why? We have sickness. Why we have business failures? Why we have financial problems? Why our marriage is failing? But we don't look to the God, the one who called us, the one who saved us, and says, instead of asking why, we should ask, Lord, what should I do? How should I respond? How do I glorify you? How do I magnify you? How do I praise you? How do I say, Lord, I will simply just live for you. If sickness were to take me home, I'm still going to heaven. If God will allow me to live until old age, even older than our prime minister, I will still worship God. If God were to take me young, I will still worship God. So this is a time for us to be just thankful and live one day at a time. And that's why the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer says, give us today our daily bread. And also the Lord says, why be anxious about tomorrow? 
today we have enough of problems. Today, ask God for His presence. Ask God for His assurance. Ask God for His love. Ask God for His anointing. Ask God for boldness and courage. What is courage? Courage is facing our fears head on and not running away. Courage is not just being supernaturally strong for a reason. No, many times for us, to face courage in a, in a time of sickness, to face courage in a time of financial setback, to face courage when our family, our marriage, there's something is going on. We need the courage to say, God is with me. God is enough. What I'm sharing with, with you today is a battle that we all have to fight until our last day or until Jesus comes. In this world, we are not free from sickness. In this world, no one is exempted from death. In this world, no more is exempted from misfortune or cheating or accidents or broken bones. None of us are exempted, no matter how anointed we are. This is part and parcel of life. But do you know, that we have heard so many testimonies of all those who have gone through setbacks in their life. That it is during their setbacks, it is during their dark nights of the soul, their difficult times, that God comes through even stronger for them. Can you say an amen for those who have gone through that? God has done that for me too. In my darkest hour, God has truly shown Himself to be my strength. That I can say that God is truly enough for me. So brothers and sisters, be happy with your church. Be happy with glad tidings. Be happy with your pastors and your leaders. Be happy with what you already have. Do you know that glad tidings is a full gospel church? A full gospel church is we win souls. A full gospel church is we make disciples. A full gospel church, we send disciples out to missions. A full gospel church, that means we equip people for the work of the ministry. A full gospel church will touch many lives in the community. A full gospel church will be prayerful and worshipful. And we already have that in glad tidings. So don't have to look across the road. Don't have to look at the other churches. You and I are already blessed in glad tidings. There is no need for comparison. No need to ask. You know, many times I, I hear this and sometimes it saddens our heart. People will always go online. People will always visit here and say, hey, do you hear about this teaching? Do you hear about this pastor? Do you hear about this church? But never have I heard that. Do you hear about glad tidings? What glad tidings has been doing? Sometimes we need to stop and pause, just like in the Psalms, the word selah in Hebrew means to pause and to stop and says that, hey, we should be contented. We are already blessed in glad tidings. There's no need to look elsewhere to the other churches. There's no need to look at other pastors. We have Pastor Vincent and all the pastors here who can be able to feed us. Because the grass here is already green. We are already feeding you. Look at the ministries in the church. 
We minister to the children. We minister to the young people, to the youth, the young adult. We minister to the seniors, the evergreen. We minister to those who seek and need prayers in the healing room. We minister to those who need counselling, grief or counselling. We minister everywhere to those who come for altar call. Do you know that not all churches have altar calls? Because some of us, this will be our first church. But if you were to visit other churches, not all churches have the altar call where we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We also, full gospel, we believe in the person, the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing that is missing in our church that you are not already getting. It is whether we open our eyes, we open our ears, open our hearts to say, actually, actually, Glad tidings, we are doing a lot. Even in the community, look at our orphanages, look at our elderly home, look at our drug rehab centre, look at our food bank. And look at the ministry of the worship team and our prayers. There are prayers going on throughout the week in the various language churches. Morning prayers, night prayers going on. Intercessors coming to pray. And even when you come today, Every Sunday, in this small room, there's intercessors praying for the church. In the equipped class, we have pastors and leaders teaching us and equipping us to mature, to grow in the Lord, to prepare us for ministry. We have opportunities for many to serve in the ministry. We are so blessed to have every one of you here in Glad Tidings. On behalf of the pastoral team, we are so glad that you are here with us. We are your shepherds and we want to shepherd you. We want to equip you and send you out. The pastors are not supposed to do all the job because then your pastors will burn out. Your pastors will go into depression. Your pastors will also need medical help. But that is why the church is not the leaders. The church is the members. You and I, we are the church. Just only yesterday, one of our members just discharged from the hospital after going through a procedure to remove something to check on it. And you know what happened? Today, he's outside there doing traffic. Let's give God the glory. Because he has found his spiritual food here in Glad Tidings. And when we visit him in hospital, we pray for him, we encourage him. And he comes in and serve and bless the Lord and bless the church. This is what is happening. We have many cell leaders. I can tell you the powerful testimonies of our cell leaders. We have them, we have a group of family that is staying in Seremban. And they come to Glad Tidings because they moved to Seremban. But they come to Glad Tidings for our Sunday church. You know, they come, they don't come straight to church. They go to Sri Sentosa and pick up their former cell members and bring them to church from Seremban. And sometimes, we have members who complain, the church is too far. The time is too inconvenient. The traffic is too much. I want to sleep more. But you see people who have the commitment that is what it means to simply live, Miss Lord. I just simply want to thank you. 
for my blessing. We have a cell leader staying in Kota Komuning, coming all the way on a Friday night. You know Friday night, huh? it is nightmare, especially if it rains. They come from Kota Komuning and they go by Puchong to fetch their cell member and come to University Towers opposite the University Hospital to start the cell group. All the way. And sometimes we complain that the cell host is too far away. Are you further than Kota Komuning to PJ than this person? No. Many times we are not appreciative. We are not thankful and grateful for what we already have. There's power in the cell group because this is God's provision for us. Just as God has provided us our spouses, God has provided us our church, our leaders, God has also provided for us our cell members and our cell leaders. They are a powerful, transformational community. We help each other to transform one another with the Word, with worship, with prayer, with witnessing, and with reaching out. So let me quickly go to the four, the four things that you and I must be alert. You and I must be awake so that we will be able to resist the temptation to covet, to be greedy and say, I want more. And to be always unsatisfied with what we already have. Of course, the first one is S.A. Tan. Satan. Satan is still at work as he was in the garden. His strategy is still the same. Just as he went to Eve and began to put the first doubt on any human being, did God really say you should not eat from the tree? And that was the beginning of the downfall of hum humankind. That was when sin came, death came, and all the sickness, everything all came because one the, our first, our first forefather and foremother choose to doubt God's goodness. And this is the same strategy and, and tactic that Satan is using for you and I. Many times, we have to listen, be careful of this voice. There are four voices that I'm going to touch on. This first voice will always be there. We have to recognize his voice. His voice, every time when He speaks to you or when He whispers to you, it will be only to bring doubts, fear, intimidation, to cause you to lose your faith, to cause you to doubt the goodness and the power of God. And that's what He did to Eve. And that's what He can do to you and I. But do you know, the Word of God says, that Satan and his demons are actually created beings. When I began to discover this powerful truth, I began to say, just like all created beings, you, the animals, the things, it is created by God. And God is almighty. God can do whatever He wants to do with His creation. And that includes Satan and his demons. And that's why when Jesus rose from the dead, his feet was on the neck and the head of Satan. The enemy, we can, you and I can say, the enemy is under our feet. So we should be careful of this voice and instead tune our ears, tune our frequency to the voice 
of God. And where do we get the voice of God? Some people say, Pastor Michael, do you, what's God saying to me? I could ask them, hey, what did the Bible say to you? Have you opened your Bible? Have you read your devotion, your daily devotion? Have you gone to God in prayer? Is God speaking to you? Sometimes we are looking here and there for a word from God. But God says, if you want to recognize the voice of God, spend time in prayer, spend time in worship, and spend time in the Word. Then you can distinguish between the voice of Satan and the voice of God. The second voice that we will hear is our own voice. It is the sinful self-centeredness that we are all born with. It is the sinful nature that are still with us. But we thank the Lord that by the Spirit's power, we will, not, we will now have the power not to give in to our sinful nature. We will say no to self, no to the devil. We will say no to selfishness, to hate, to stealing, to lying, to adultery, but yes to holiness, yes to God. We know that the sinful nature is always saying is, I want, I need, give me, give me, give me. It is always inward looking, me, I, me and myself. This is the unholy trinity. We are always looking for something for ourselves, to please ourselves. That's why the Word of God says, in the last days, we will be lovers of self. And this is the symptom of lovers of self. It's never thinking of the other person. Never thinking of your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your fellow believers in the Lord. Never thinking about your employer, your colleagues, or your neighbour. But it's always me. I, me. What's it for me? And that's where we, again, we must do what Jesus has taught us. What did Jesus say? Deny yourself. That's how we overcome the voice from self. Say no to yourself, but yes to God. When we say yes to God, it means to carry our cross. It means to say, Lord, your will, your kingdom is my priority, is my importance. Even if I suffer, even I have lack those things that other people have, I still have enough. I'm still contented with what I have. The third voice that we will hear is the voice of the world. And we know that this world is under the control of the God of this age. When we say this world, it speaks about the systems, the philosophies, the teaching, the mindset of the world that is controlled by the evil one. You just have to look and what's happening in the media, what's happening in the internet, what's happening in the entertainment industry. You see, the evil one has penetrated. And every of these things challenges the values of God, challenges the priority of God. And to tell us, we need more things. You look at the magazine for women, you look at the female magazine, and the moment you turn, you always feel ugly. You feel fat. You feel, uh, you feel dark. You feel, you are not enough. I need this. I need this product. I need that product. And that is what the world is telling us. And that's why we have so many people 
having different kinds of sickness and disease because they are trying to look good the way the, the world wants us to look good. But that is not what God asks us to be. God has something even better for us. God says, John the Apostle says, don't love the world. What is in the world? The lust of the flesh, the sinful nature, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. This is in the world. The world wants to feed our pride. The world wants to feed our greed. But Jesus wants to feed our spirit and our soul with abundance that is good for us, never to harm us. Do you know that in the online world, the digital world, that the enemy has penetrated is also a weapon to cause problems in the family, problems for singles. Right now, there are statistics to show that the people who spend frequently, multiple times on the website, multiple times on their phones, on their computer, if they spend many times, many hours, the chances of having mental distress rise up to 40%. No wonder the psychiatrists are having a lot of people, young people, elderly people coming to see them because people are getting depressed. People are developing symptoms, bipolar, schizophrenia because of their exposure to too much. Do you know that the online world is changing our culture, changing our perception even of sex, of what is Holy sex, what is normal sex? They are making it acceptable for alternative lifestyle. And this is also the advent of the smartphone has caused all this to happen. Nowadays, everybody has a computer in their hand. And this is the threat that we all have. And that's why as parents, we have to guard our children to monitor, to see, to filter what they see. Because people are now sleep-deprived. They are sleeping less because they are online more. Long ago, many, many years ago, my wife wanted me to have a phone, a smartphone. I say, no, I don't want phone. But once I got the smartphone, I was hooked. I was addicted. How many of us here, the first thing in the morning we get up is straight away we look at the phone. Don't lift up your hands. All of us, we are just as guilty. Do you know that from one website, it can go to another website? From one issue, it can go to another thing? And I too have to learn how to control. Because we can, don't realize the time will pass. I just look for a while only. You know, this is what we always say, huh? just a little while only. That's what our children tell us, little while only. But then became half an hour, one hour, two hours, three hours, and then you see their eyes. You see, they are taught. And this is what is happening in our culture right now. The danger of digital and online threat. This is part of one of the, 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 the tactics of the world that an enemy has brought in. We're not saying that the internet is bad, but we have so much information that is good, but there must be a balance. And we have to, again, if we have take too much time on online, that means we don't have time for God, don't have time for prayer, don't have time to come to church, don't have time to come for prayer meeting, don't have time even for your family. This is a stealer. 
a robber that will come to you. And the fourth one that, that is the compiling of the three voices, the voice of Satan, your own voice, and the voice of the world is the voice that will come into our homes, our families, our church. I call it spiritual consumerism. When we only want to hear good things, we only want to hear the good preachers, we only want to, that's why the, the, Paul says here, we all have an itch to hear what we want to hear. We don't want to hear about discipleship. We don't want to hear about sacrifice. We don't want to hear about giving. We don't want to hear about serving. We don't want to hear about winning souls. But all we want is prosperity, blessing. That is spiritual consumerism. And we can come and do business here in church too. And this is what Jesus did at the temple where he cleansed the temple and he threw away the money changer. He threw away those people who are selling animals and says, this is the house of God. And I think this also can happen in our homes, in our church, in our cell, if we are not careful because we can buy in the philosophies of the world, buy in the lies of Satan, buy in our own selfishness and bring it to the church. And that's why as pastors and ministers, as teachers of the world, as shepherds, we are constantly speaking to you, reminding you, even as we remind ourselves, pastors and ministers are not exempted. We will be careful of the prosperity gospel. We must be very careful of the grace gospel. Everything God can forgive. This is called anti-monianism. That means sin is okay. God can forgive anytime. There is a danger we take God's grace for granted. And then the inclusive gospel where we say, God says to love everybody. It means I must accept every lifestyle. And this is where we compromise. This is where we say, that we become disobedient. We grieve the heart of God. So what is God speaking to us? He says that there is a crisis of discipleship. We must come back. Come back to what believers must be. And that means as believers, we must expect that we will have to suffer. Expect that we will have to give up. Expect that there will be discomfort. Expect there will be opposition. Expect that there will be persecution. Do you know one day, we will never know, one day we have to meet in homes and no longer in church for security reasons. But will we still be faithful to the Lord? Or will we give up on God and say, I prefer an aircon place. I just love the car park. There are so many car parks. Glad Tidings is so blessed. We have so many car parks. We love the powerful worship. We love the ministries that are offered here for everybody. But there will be a time where God will say there is a shift, there's a shift, there's a change. And will you still be faithful to me, to God? One of the truths to counter those voices is to know that God doesn't withhold any good thing from us. And the apostle Peter says his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him 
who called us by His own glory and goodness. Just as we have sung about the power of God today, we know that because God loved us, we know that God has given His all to us. Surely, won't He know that we need certain things in our lives? Sometimes, we ask wrongly. Sometimes, we are impatient like myself. Sometimes, I can be very impatient. Sarah was impatient, couldn't wait for God to fulfill His promise. And because of that, they had Ishmael. But you see, if you trust that God is good, you will never question God. You and I will never doubt God. His timing, the way He handles things. There are many things in life that we don't understand. Certain tragedies, certain sickness, certain martyrdom that happened. Why did the missionary in India, why were they killed? They were preaching the Word of God. There are some things that we will never understand. But only God knows. And God works everything for according to His purpose. According to good, for His good. He will turn all things for His good. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. That is the message for you and I today. You and I can stand firm. You and I can stand assured that God is our sufficiency. Can we say amen to that? And there are four reasons why you and I can be strong. You and I can say, I'm contented. God is not holding back any good thing from me. God is not just simply testing or temp tempting me for no reason. God is not punishing me. Some people think that God is punishing them. No. Here is the first one. The sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He has already rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in Him. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. No one comes to me will be hungry. And everyone who comes and believes in me will never thirst again. In other words, Jesus says, when I give, I don't just give physical food. I give something that will bless your spirit, your soul, your body. When God gives, God gives completely. These four things you should know and should never question or doubt God's goodness even in the midst of the trials and the storms that we are going through even right now. That Jesus gave His all on the cross. Jesus loved fully he cannot love any more than He has loved. Jesus forgives completely. Never listen to the voice of Satan and says, you're sure God will forgive you. Your sin was so bad. Listen to His voice. When He forgives, He forgives completely. Jesus transforms lives radically. We are so thankful for the many transformed lives in our church. And that is what Jesus has come to do. 
to give us the full life, the abundant life, the transformed life to represent Him, that we will look like Him, act like Him, talk like Him, love like Him, minister like Him. You don't realise Jesus is all you ever need until Jesus is all you have. Perhaps God one day will put us to the test. If we have too many things in our lives, God will say, I just want to test you to see whether you really, really worship me. You, I'm your, really your number one. We really, you, I'm enough for you. The secondly is the sufficiency of His Word. All Scripture is inspired by God or God breathed by God and is profitable for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That the Word of God is a manual for our life on earth. It is a manual of how to please God, how to honour God, how to be contented with what God has given us. Until Jesus is enough, nothing else will ever be. Until you come to Jesus, you will always are looking for God in, through other things. Whether it's sex, whether it is smoking or drinking, or whether it's money, whether it's material things, whether it's success in life, whether it's acclaim, until Jesus is enough, everything else will never satisfy. But when Jesus you have come to a place, a good place, where Jesus is enough, you will be very thankful for whatever that you already have. The sufficiency of His power that is already resident in you and I, the Holy Spirit, God has given us the best gift. He Himself living with us, in us and through us. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Brothers, you and I, sisters, you and I, we have the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not all churches practice and advocate the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you, for all of us here who have experienced the powerful infilling of the Spirit of God, will have and know and live and will have the Holy Spirit partnering us to have the boldness to share Christ with others, to have the boldness to stand for God, to have the boldness to obey the Word of God to have the boldness to say no to Satan, to say no to self, to say no to the world, and to say no to what is coming into the church. I know for all of us, life can be tough. But we can say, I've got a God who is tougher. I've got a God who is stronger. Can we say amen? Jesus and me is enough. Because Jesus has all His people, His resources. Everything is under His control. 
even Satan is under his control. The demons are under his control. Even the enemies of the church is under his control. So which side do we still prefer to be? I, we all should prefer to be on God's side. Because if we look to the end of the book, the Bible, Revelations, we see that at, in the end, God wins. Jesus wins. His kingdom triumphant over every kingdom will disappear. Every country, every rule will be gone. There's only one kingdom that will remain and it's the kingdom of God. And you and I are citizens of that kingdom. And you and I, we have more than sufficient for our lives. And fourth but not last, sufficiency of His provision. God gives us all we need. If you know the Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Another version puts it, I shall not lack. If God is enough for you and I, you and I will never lack in anything. Amen? We will have exactly what we need. And sometimes God throws a lot of bonuses to us. Sometimes, my wife would just be wanting, now I must pay another royalty again. Sometimes my wife would just say that, I just wish that when my husband comes back, he will buy some duku lansat. And somehow, I will hear that voice when I'm driving. And I will just suddenly decide to drive my car to the fruit store and say, I think I must buy duku lansat, I don't know why. And then my wife will be waiting at the door. I'm praying and praying for duku lansat. And you brought duku lansat. Do you know, these simple desires that we have, God will honour. When we honour God, when we trust God, we don't have to be covetousness. I want this, I want, I want mausang, I want the, the, the red prawn, I want this. But for me, if I have kampong durian, I'm happy. And that's what I always do when I go to the durian store. I go for the cheapest one. Because I say, if the food is good enough, I'm happy already. I don't want to spend unnecessary for things. But still enjoy. You can continue to enjoy your mausang. Don't say, Pastor, Pastor Michael said, don't go and buy mausang or whatever number. Continue to enjoy. But for me, it's just a personal preference. I'm just contented with just uh, enjoying what I can. And I thank God for what God has blessed me with. So this scripture, Paul says, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. That's true. We come naked, we will live naked. Even though some religions, they burn things to go up there, but we don't have to burn. We just send ahead of us. What do we send? In our good works that we do. In how we love people, we are sending our treasures in heaven. So we don't have to go to the shop and buy things to burn and send to heaven. We just have to do good. We still have to be, say, God, you are enough for me. I will leave you with this. This is the things that we have to do if we want to say that God is enough. At the end of the day, God wants us to walk the life that is simple. To be a believer, to be a follower of Jesus Christ God has made it such that even children 
can love Jesus. Children can be a witness. Children can go missions. You see what children do on a family worship? They can worship. They can usher. They can share the gospel. They can bring friends to church. If children can do it, that means God has not made discipleship difficult for them. It's simple. But we have to, how do we make it simple? How do we live simply for God? The undistracted life. Don't be like Martha. So busy when Jesus comes. I must cook this. I must prepare this. But Mary quickly just sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary chose what is important first. Mary chose Jesus first. Other than preparation of the food. Let's be careful because the devil, the enemy is coming to always distract us. Take our eyes off God. Rob us of our joy, of our faith. The second one is a balanced life. We can enjoy the blessings of God, but let's not go overboard in enjoying. Let's have time. If we are too busy to come to church, if we are too busy to come for prayer meeting, if we are too busy to read our Bible, if we are too busy to come to cell group, then we are really too busy. Something is wrong with our life. It is out of balance. And this is where we need to bring balance and to put God first and everything else will fall in His right place. The last one is uncluttered life. This year, my wife and I, beginning of the year, I shared in one of the cells about decluttering. You know, the longer you live in a house, I'm sure all of us can identify, the more you accumulate things, right? Until you start to shift. Then you discover things many, many years ago that you have not used. So every day, we have to guard against distraction. Every day, we have to maintain a balance, not once a week on a Sunday, but every day. Every day, we have to declutter. Because if you look at your handphones and all the messages, what happens if we don't clear the videos, the images and the messages? What happens? You cannot receive any more messages. It will be full. And sometimes we are so distracted by all the messages. We are so cluttered by them. We've, we miss out on important messages. So if God wants to speak to you and you are not decluttering, you may miss the voice of God. You may miss the opportunity of God. We are going to sing this song again as a covenant, as a recommitment and a renewal to just simply live for God without distraction, with a balanced life and also to remove the clutter in our lives. The digital clutter in our phones, our laptop, the physical clutter in our homes, in our cars, in our offices. Remove those things that block us, stop us from serving God, being faithful to God. Remove our spiritual clutter that causes us to be so busy. We always use the, this four-letter word. This four-letter word is more dangerous than the other four-letter words. B-U-S-Y. And this is something that grieves the heart of God. We are too busy for God, we are ready out of sync.